Hello, boys and girls. Jonathan here. Just a little quick preface before this episode. You know, for me personally, as a musician and also as a music listener, I'm absolutely enchanted by drums, drum beats, drummers, grooves, all of this. You know, it's really important. I think it's the life's blood of rock and roll, and without it, life would frankly suck as a guitarist. So, obviously, we had to do something about this. We're coming in just a little bit off schedule here. We're back at the DR drums, you know. Uh, it's just, you know, this episode was a big production. We had to use 10 microphones. And speaking of that, one of them should have been checked upon, should have been looked at, because the talkback mic from the drum kit sounds shit. But, you know, still, with all this stuff coming in, I think we can live with that. So in the first half we have Emil Mikkels on the drum kits, great drummer. In the second half we have our old friend, by now, Hendrik Johansson on the kit. First half is what you're listening to right now, and that's the part with Emil. And the second half, Drums of the Beast part two, is with Henrik on the kit and will be released probably next week, but we don't really know at the time because there might be some hot news coming in in the overall Maiden world. But hey, let's wait no longer. On with the episode. Made Nate to see presents Drums of the Beast Part 1. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Maiden HZ. My name is Eric, and with me uh, yet again, as always, is uh, Jonathan. Yep. And we also have uh, Mr. Henrik. We have. And we also have, for the very first time, uh, a gentleman who, uh, I said I was going to say he need no, needs no introduction, but he probably does need an introduction, so I don't know why I said that. Uh, Emil. Hi, everybody. Emil is in, and uh, we have a connection to the show as well. Uh, you play drums together with Eric Arke, right? Yeah, I do. We, Six feet deeper? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, We played together for about four or five years now. Actually, today we're all in the same room. We're in a, we're in a Henrik's rehearsal space. Yes, we are. Classic bomb shelter type situation. Yeah. And uh, we've, we're here with one recording uh, talking mic each and six drum mics as well. Mm-hmm. This is... What an ordeal. Yeah. What's happening? Well, well we're recording drums. Recording drums mm. and speaking. All about all about the drums today. Yeah. Mm. So drums of the beast, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've been on Adrian Smith, we've been on Steve Harris. Today we will be on, I guess, three drummers or you know, mainly two. Two and a half, maybe. Yeah, two and a yeah, half. Yeah, two and a half is probably right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah, we're um, quad squadron today again. Feels mm. pretty good. And uh, Emil, welcome in. Nice to have you here. 
So as we kind of always do with a uh, new guest, why don't you uh, go ahead and tell us your sort of maiden story, how you got into the band. And... Yeah, sure. Well, I suppose it started for me about uh, year 2000 or 2001 when they released Brave New World and the video Out of the Silent Planet was on Vox Pop, an old that, Swedish yeah. uh, program. So my older brother, he's two years my senior, he got him to them very heavily and uh, it was uh, maybe that year or the year after where we got the Brave New World CD and also uh, the album called uh, Best of the Beast which oh. was a good compilation album so that's probably where my love for Maiden started when I was around 8 or 9 years old and then it gradually grew as I grew older I s- looked into their other discography as well right and uh, mm. did did you ever waver or anything did you were you like an instant hit and then you just loved them ever since or did you I suppose it was sort of a back and forth love story Maiden has always been a keen love for me but uh, I always had different sort of segments periods where I used to go into Maiden very heavily probably around uh, when I was 17 or 18, where I had a big maiden uh, hysteria. So I watched every sort of documentary about them. I listened to the early albums, and I started to play in a metal band as well, which were heavily influenced by maiden, as every metal band is. Probably. Every metal band yeah. is. I think, yeah. I think even the ones who don't think they are. And your brother yeah. is a musician as well. Yeah, he is uh, a guitar player, and he used to play more before but i would still consider him a musician i was going to point out the kind of fun story uh, way back like a thousand years ago uh i was at a thing called freak guitar camp which is a annual sort of guitar uh camp held by matthias eklund from free kitchen i think i mentioned before yeah that's right and that's where i met uh a guy named eric uh, yeah. who is uh Ema's brother yeah my older brother tons of eric's a lot of Eric's. A lot yeah. of Eric's. <laughs> or with a K as well, right? Yeah, yeah. all the K. Yeah, the Eric's. K. So we can, do an, we can do an Eric's of the Beast uh, yeah. Yeah. episode of some point. wonder that. So in terms of your maiden listening, has it been drum-oriented or just uh, music fan-oriented? Both of them. Uh, because uh, when I was uh, a teenager, I used to listen more to the drums rather than the music as a whole. But lately, it's become more of the both. Uh, but... The music has always been there as a center when it comes to mm. Maiden. And you got in through Brave New World, right? Also, it was around that age uh, where, when they released Brave New World, uh, I got into them. Plenty of people got in through that album. Yeah. For me, I was just before that, but uh, then again, you know, that was a big thing. Yeah, I mean, so. it's a monumental album, and Definitely, it yeah. got uh, so much, uh, it happened so much around them when it was released back in the day. So. It was such a relaunch of Iron Maiden yeah, to yeah. a younger audience as well. So yeah. it really marks... It's, it's, I wouldn't call it a paradigm shift, but I just said that, so what the hell. But, but yeah. also, just, kind of just, just mm. kind of want to point out that as we're recording this, this won't be released at the same time. Uh, you know, the, you know, It'll release a little bit later, but as we're recording this, uh, this past Saturday turned 21. Yeah, mm. that's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's really weird. Oh yeah, that's right. It turned on. I was I was thinking of doing another riff medley, but I realized I don't know many riffs from the album. I did one for Peace of Mind and one yeah, for yeah, Power yeah. Slave. It's very fun to do them and try to connect the the songs in a minute or three. But uh, yeah, no time for that this time. Maybe twenty two. Yeah, 
and um, yeah, good album to green through. I think for me, it was I, I was just before again, you know, Best of the Beast and Virtual Eleven around ninety eight, ninety nine, and uh, we all knew that it wasn't the real singer, you know. Yeah, this, this this other guy singing right now, and then of course I've come to really like the Blaze era and the Blaze yeah. stuff for what it is, and maybe you know, even for for it's just a natural part of Maiden's progression. I think. Yeah, like as weird as it may seem musically, I think that's what they had to do. Well, I think I think like for me, it's like like I will because when I was a kid, I would see like see it as like, well, no, he, the real Bruce is a real singer, and the, you know he's not. Now I see, yes, he was a real singer for that time period. Like so, it should that's what that's the guy who's supposed to be right then. So that's what it is. Kind of like Don Svano in our show when I asked him his favorite Nightingale album, and he said every album was his favorite that year. Yeah, sir. Mm, yeah, because you know, look. Also, I, I had the you know, I came into Maiden, you know, in a big way after Bruce is already back. So you know, it was very yeah. easy to you know. But I think they're all you know, all all all, all the you know, three of the guys were were, yeah. were were the real guy at the point they were doing it. And I think you know, my favorite guy is Bruce, but still. Yeah. So yeah. Emil, have you yeah. seen them live? Of course, I have. I think the first time was in 2010 at uh, uh, what was it called? Not Sonisphere. It, it was Sonisphere. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, Sonisphere at uh, Stora Skogan. Mm. That was the rain gig, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a notorious rain and mud gig. Yeah. Uh, but uh, regardless, I love them. And the la- later, uh, one year later, I saw them at Ullevi yeah. in mm. 2011. And then I saw them one more time in Stockholm in 2013 mm. when they had the. Uh, seventh Son yeah. revival tour. Mm. Right, oh, that's right. that's the one one I missed in all these years. I yeah. went to all those yeah. three, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah so we were all at Nino Levi eleven. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you too, right? I was there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. What about Metallica? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if Metallica were there. Uh, they were. <laughs> they the were the same day. Two <laughs> years. <laughs> it was fun because like uh, a day before or two days before. Uh, no, mm. no. Two uh, two days later. Ah, uh, later. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I saw them as well. And I think my favorite maiden gig was at Ullevi. Because Ullevi is a special kind of feeling when you are at the front row and 56,000 people screaming fans. Yeah. yeah. A great venue, but it was my least favorite gig that I've, saw, uh, I've seen. So really? it goes to show that maybe they're always on, on a high. Yeah, yeah always very personal. It was bit, yeah. during a period where maybe I wavered a bit mm-hmm. um, during like the, let's say, the mid phase of the reunion era. Yeah. Around 2010. Uh, I wasn't into what they were doing on album. Yeah. Mm. Now I've, I've gone back to Final Frontier, and I'm still doing that. Yeah. Uh, because of this pod and all that. I just wanted to point out just a fun kind of uh, side story here. Uh, recently, um, uh, Pearl Jam released tons of gigs on Spotify, like 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 I think hundreds of them at this point. Mm. And one of them was the, the the gig they did 2000 on the 28th of uh, June. June. Yeah. yeah. And we were we were mm. you were there too, correct? I. Was in spirit, but oh, not, that's right, that's yeah. right, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So anyway, during before they played a song called "Do the Evolution," mm-hmm. uh, the singer Eddie Vedder mentioned that they were excited because Iron Maiden apparently were in the house. So apparently, like some of them were there watching yeah. the gig, and they did they did, did play a little bit of a um, uh, number of the beast. So that was kind mm-hmm. of fun. So that's, they did. That, that's on the bootleg. Cool. Yeah, I'm mean, just the you know, it's a, it's on before the song "Do the Evolution." It's on Spotify. It, it was kind of fun, and they got the audience to say goodbye, a maiden, when they exactly. left. Yeah. And, and, and then, uh, and also Eddie Vedder pointed out there's two Eddies in town this week. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Who's bigger, Eddie the Ed or Eddie Vedder? I think I think image wise, I'm obviously you know Eddie the Head, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I, you know I, I, I'm a huge Pearl Jam. I love Eddie Vedder too. Yeah, so. yeah he's huge though. You mm-hmm. know, he's very famous. yeah. But I think that if you look like you know, I think Eddie the Head is on more T-shirts. 
Probably. Yeah. Probably. Specifically Eddie Vedder. It should be as well. He should he, be on the most t-shirts. Mm. Eddie Head. Yeah. You know, that's just how yeah. it should be. And I'm not sure how I would feel about seeing Eddie Vedder with an axe. A bloody, oh. a bloody, a bloody axe. axe. Yeah. Just imagine all the pro, all the, the Iron the Maiden album covers, but they, they switched it up for Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder with the <laughs> with the lobotomy hatch. Yeah, in yeah, his forehead yeah. with lightning striking into I mean, it. He's a handsome man; he could probably pull it off. But I, mm. I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be weird. Mm. Sorry. Anyways, that's yeah, that's, that's yeah. it. And I guess we want to get to know Emil a little bit more. Um, I don't normally ask this, but you know, other favorites. I'm, I'm curious, other favorites besides Maiden that really like got your musical gears going. Well, I am a huge uh, prog rock geek, so my biggest influences, apart from Maiden, would be bands like King Crimson, ELP, Genesis, also a lot of bands that Steve Harris has uh, in common when it comes to favorite bands. Yeah. So I'm very much keen on those sort of bands, and also uh, Psychedelia from the late 60s, and also some other types of... Uh, uh, 80s new wave bands and goth bands as well. I love mm-hmm. Bauhaus. Uh, Bella Lagoose is dead. Bella Lagoose is That's dead. A good song. Very good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the eclectic mix, I would say. A very eclectic yeah, mix. I like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we have a mic'd up drum kit today. Yeah. Maybe we should celebrate that. You know, I think we, we should. should. I think that's, it, it, it's, it behooves mentioning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what should we do? We are going to do it in a similar fashion to. Um, the Adrian Smith solo episode and the base of the beast. So we're gonna play some snippets. Uh, we're gonna try and guess. Yeah, what's been played? Sure. And of course, you know, your choice on yeah. the, behind the kit. Sure. Uh, play what you like to play and uh, in the order you like to do so. Yeah. So let's let's kick it off with something then. Yeah. See where we see where we end up. I'll try to do different sort of uh, time periods and sure you'll have to guess what it is. There we go. That is very clearly "Don't Look to the Eyes of a Stranger," but yeah, or uh, "Hot for Teacher." Look to the eyes mm. of a stranger. "Hot for Teacher" no, by Van Halen. But uh, that was a uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think we all, all of us know that one. Yeah, yeah, the anthem. You know, we had a little short talk before. What should we do today? And and I said that if someone nails "Wiggles There," we have to do it, even though it's not a you know, it's the most obvious drum track probably in Maiden because of the intro. It's got that kind of mythical status, really. Yeah, because of yeah. the intro and because of Nico's fantastic execution. So let's uh, yeah. let's cut the very intro once more. Yeah, sure. Yeah, also, hold on one second. I want to actually, I'm going to film this. We can do it on our... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Are we rolling? Yeah. We're rolling. Classic. I had the camera pointed towards me. Can you do it again? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just pulling your leg. 
So what I'm in initially thinking now that I'm sitting in the room with this riff being played, uh -huh. it's actually a riff for me, you know, drum riff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I mean it goes into a beat, obviously, but it's yeah. a riff, you know. And uh, I'm thinking two words, big band. I have the big band vibe going here, like Gene Krupa and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's a Swingy. Very, yeah. Swingy. And um, obviously, first song you could ever hear Nico play. Yeah. Mm. And it's also a very funny story behind that because uh, I think Steve Harris was the one who obviously he wrote the song and he brought the riff to Nico and said, All right, Nico, play something like this. Uh, and then um, I suppose uh, Nico tried different ways to get the. with the bass drum foot, uh, which is kind of difficult to get it up to speed with a single pedal. Uh, And I think uh, after the truck track was cut, he said, "Oh bollocks! I'll never ha have to play that one again." Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh, he didn't really want it to be the opening track yeah. no. of that tour. He, it was like, but it was bad idea yeah. to do that. But you know, Steve is going to be Steve. Yeah, like this is the opener. Yeah, uh, probably more happy with that than Invaders. Safe bet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because bet. they never played Invaders after after yeah. it yeah. was cut for the album. So they never played that one live. Nope. Oh, I think it's all right. Uh, let's get nerdy. Mm -hmm. What about the beat? Uh, the beat? Yeah, the triplets for sure. I, I mm -hmm. think it was um, uh, basically Nico trying to play something that would uh, uh, match with the original bass riff that Steve brought to him. Yeah, because the bass, the kick drum is thumping, right? Yeah. Uh, if you could play that in the snare... A lot of kick, and mm, yeah. uh, I realized this, and also another track that we may stumble on later, so I'm not going to say it, but uh, another track on Peace of Mind, that uh, the kick is way more busy than you can tell because of Steve's loud clucking bass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm. you don't really hear everything that's happening on the kick drum. Um, I mean, obviously this one was um, well done on the last tour, uh, the Legacy yep. yeah. in the tour, and, they, and with that kind of PA fat sound with the Justin Bieber sound guy actually <laughs> <laughs> really well uh, presented well, he knows what he's doing so that's, that's yeah. Mm. Yeah, great sound guy I mean he even beats Dog Hall my old favorite you know he's uh, yeah. slightly better but um, we're not talking sound guys today that's another episode yeah we're talking yeah. drums and I mean this um, for sure one of the most iconic uh, maiden drum tracks has to be right what would you yeah, say Henrik? Yeah, yeah it is and it's an interest interesting thing when it comes to the genesis of the beat because Uh, originally, Steve just played the riff, and Nico had to sort of, oh, okay, I'm going to play some drums to this, and he just played it very straight. Yeah. And then he asked, so what are you going to play, play on the bass then? And Steve said, yeah, that, that's what I'm playing. You know, That's and, what I'm going to be playing. Yeah. And so he said, oh, I, he, he couldn't do just a straight kick, you know, dunk, 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 dunk. you just go yeah. with a straight. Yeah. So um, he had to come up with the triplet thing, yeah. uh, which works fantastically for the yeah. song. So We've been on the topic too, Henrik, mm. uh, talking about UFO, talking about... Um, Doctor Doctor, the the way you arrange the triplets. That in Doctor Doctor you have the very traditional. Whereas Maiden more oftenly would be on the aggressive triplets. Starting all the way back at Phantom of the Opera, and pretty much on every album since. And I guess Killers doesn't really have a triplet banger, does it? I guess we're going to come to that. I'm just Maybe on the Ides of March, but that's not really mm. a... More, more like him.
Yeah. Uh, solid. And I guess we're going to be coming to that, but, but as you mentioned, Phantom of the Opera, uh, the, there was, at a, at a point in time, the, uh, the bit where you, know, you have the, the, the drums in that part can easily get a lot like Dr. Doctor. Yeah. But, Dotted notes. Yeah, exactly. And it, Doug Samson used to play it like that. Yeah, but then when Clive came in, it was a totally different beast. Yeah, so. I guess uh, yesterday, the day before recording this, I edited the first episode of the early days, which is mm. already out by now mm. for your yeah. listeners. Yeah. and I uh, I made this um, rat child uh, back and forth in between Dog Samson and uh, the Killers version. Yeah. Mm. Uh, ooh, <laughs> yeah. My God, it's uh, an improvement. It is. Yeah. Uh, if you ever heard one, you know, mm. wow, it's, it's so much better. But like I said in that episode. You can't really fault the dog Samson too much because he didn't have a template. No. Had he heard Clive doing that, he would have played more aggressively, uh, way more tight. But I don't know, where did it come from for Clive, you know? I think it was just Clive being Clive and being a very a, a lot more dedicated drummer in that sense. Yeah. Because Doug Samson, I, I, I'm sure he played what he was able to do and what he felt was needed and what they asked of him. Yeah. Because... If they if they wouldn't have agreed with his drumming, he wouldn't have been in the band for so long. But he was. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I think when Clive came in, it was just that he had he had this extra thing to add to it. How do you think Clive would have played the song we're on? Where Eagles there? Could you wow. add? Could you ad lib that? That's a very good question. Because it would be way less um, big band in group. He would. Yeah. He would never do the triplets. He would do, do the straight. He he would do uh, like. Yeah, so, something, something like that. And that ex, and that crash on the fourth beat is crucial to be Clive Burr because that's yeah. what he would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. more towards Phantom, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, again, uh, let's um, let's get a little bit nerdy on on the the beat. How is it divided? We're looking at triplets, right? There's a few mm -hmm. ghost notes. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. Nico version. Again. Yeah, of yeah. course. So back to order, but <laughs> yeah, a few ghost notes, uh, triplet feel, yeah. and what about the ride? How is that accentuated? I think the ride goes together with the bass drum all the way. I think so. They kind of hit in unison. It does on the album, but but when he started doing it live, he sort of about uh, he says himself he got lazy. But I just yeah. think he found it. He he could get that drive. Without playing too much, so we just had mm. a straight ride. Yeah, maybe he did. I actually like when drummers do this because it's not cheating. No, no, no. It's being effective, of course. You know, when the one guy that maybe is overdoing it would be Lars Ulrich. Maybe he could practice a bit as well. Yeah, I happen to like that guy. I like his playing. Yeah, yeah. Big fan of him, really. So I'm not I mean, it wouldn't be Metallica without Lars Ulrich. No. I, th I, think, I think you know. Just I think a lot of time people sort of you know ra you know ra rag on him. Just it, it's it, it, I think it's it's ridiculous. I think it's a lot of it's just jealousy, to be honest. Because it is, yeah. and I mean, he's getting away with murder in a sense because he's never practicing and he's uh, drummer in the biggest metal band ever. What what he's doing is perfect for the context he's doing. Yeah, it in, that, that's mm. fine. I so would yeah. I would say that he's a bit like Dave Murray. Actually, he doesn't practice. Yeah, he just delivers. He just has to feel. And comes in and, and does it, you know. I, I think that just to be, I think Dave's probably better at guitar. Yeah, he's that, a better that, guitarist that, that, than that, that, Lars, a drummer. Genre, yeah. But the attitude, I think, is oh, yeah, very, sure. very, yeah. uh, 
very what's the word Hakuna Matata you know yeah they're just uh, going with it and I think uh, Nico halfway there maybe uh, kind of artistic approach not overly regimental you know yeah, compared would, to Clive for example yeah sure I would say that maybe he is more of a practical a practicing drummer but I don't think he overdoes it in any way I think he mainly delivers and Nico just being Nico yeah Nick is a very intuitive drummer, I think. So he yeah, can yeah. sort of play naturally and have that natural yep. drive with things. And uh, yeah, I've been on that before. I'm a drum enthusiast. I can't yeah. play for shiz, but I, I watch all these drum channels, drum history and all that. And I think Nico is very connected to the history of the drum kit. Those kind yeah. of players. Yeah. Uh, Gene Krupa, Buddy Rich, that kind of sphere, you know. Uh, super old school, but also yeah. tons of EMPs. Yeah. I'm a big Deep Purple fan, and there's a lot of that the kind of jazz-led mm. yeah. type playing. But then I gotta ask you because I'm not sure about this: uh, what's the dynamics like in between cymbals and drums? I would say that Nico is uh, a hard hitter in general, but I think he also has a very keen sense of dynamics when it comes to the drum kit. He doesn't really overplay anything on the cymbals or on the drums. I think he, yeah, he has a good balance of things. Yeah. And always groovy. Always mm. um, pocket, yeah. pockets of groove in there. Not not always, but that, right. sort of that goes right. down to the circumstances of the recording. And Don't look stuff. too. Well, Don't look we're, too. we're not going to go there. <laughs> Don't look too. Don't look too. Don't look too. Don't look too. Maybe do more of a kind of a jazz kind of beat there. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Let's try that with triplets. Look to. Look to. Look to. Yes. I thought we said we weren't going to be singing. That's right. Let's see if this is still in the episode. Just for fun. A little more lounge kind of feel. Don't look too. Don't look too. Don't, <laughs> don't look too. Don't I, look I just too. Beca- I just became aware of what I was don't doing. Strange, yeah. <laughs> don't, look too. don't look too. Don't look too. Don't look too. The eyes of the stranger. <laughs> there we go. Anyway. No, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Uh, maybe i introduce another beat. Have we talked enough about where it is there? It's way back in the alphabet, so we could I afford think, it some time. I think yeah. we have talked way enough about it. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah, your favorite song on Peace of Mind, right? Not at all. Not at all. Let us move on. It used to yeah. be like that for me as well. We'll mm. tackle that when it comes. Yeah. But totally. uh, that yeah. song totally grew for me over the years. Yeah. Okay. I've, I really got into the monotonous nature of it mm. somehow. Like, uh, I think it's right that it just goes and, you know, it just revolves around and around, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's a matter of taste, I guess. It's not the strongest song on Peace of Mind, but I think it's the right opener. Of yeah, course, it's the definitely the right opener. Yeah, yeah. definitely cool opener. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I uh, I'm one of those guys that prefer it over Aces High. Really? Uh, as a song, I would prefer Aces High, but most would, I think. I think Aces High. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aces High suffers a bit from being very too classic these days. It's kind so. of square. That, yeah, it too is, classic. Yeah. I get what you mean by that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Whereas, whereas there is more of a, I would call it bloated. It's kind of bloated, you know, just mm-hmm. the same thing going and over, over and over. But it fits uh, the mood of the song somehow. I, you know, and with this very animated drum beat, mm. it's not really that hard to stay entertained. 
you don't need much more chords or anything yeah. like that, you know. Uh, cool song. Yeah. yeah. But so what do you, uh, I can't ask you, obviously, but why don't you play your next thing? We'll yeah, see. sure. Yep. Should we do the guessing game one let's, more let's time? See, let's, yeah, let's keep doing definitely, that. Definitely. All right. It's definitely post 2000. No. No. It was. Fast uh, kick. Fast kick. Yeah. Kind uh, of reminiscent of uh, Deja Vu, but it wasn't Deja Vu. No, it's from the same album, Caught Somewhere in Time. Ah, there we go. Da 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 da. Yeah. That's a fast uh, single foot yeah. uh, kick. Patrick. As a fast bogger. Then <laughs> I was put off. Then I think the tempos must have been a bit awry because I, I did not get that at all. Yeah. I heard the melody in my head, but I thought I was listening to uh, Deja Vu in my head. But I, I did hear da 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 da. I just didn't place the in the right song. Yeah. Let's listen to it again and see if Henrik catches up. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. From the beginning? From, yeah, yep. from where you started. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. I, I, I get why I was confused. This was oh, this is going to sound like critique, and it's not meant like that at <laughs> no, all. Sure. It was it was just a thing where it was a bit of a much of a two weight before we kicked into the yeah the the quicker bit. Yeah, that I was. I mean, I sort of hear it as a choo -choo 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 yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, there's yeah, a sharp tempo shift there, right? It is. It, it is a tempo Very shift. Very made. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, yeah. but I mean, I, I felt there was a bit of a slight hanging thing going no, no, no. on, which is a lot yeah. more. Post two thousand. Yeah, like that's a, that's that's why I thought it was too. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. uh, so, so you're you, but you're using double pedal now, right? Or are you doing? No, no, no. no, no, no he's playing, playing single. single kick. Oh, yeah. good technique. Are you using heel toe for that? Or I'm using sort of a homebred mixture of heel toe and just dancing around on the on the pedal. Yeah, I suppose heel toe. I I think that's more or less. The idea of the heel yeah, toe, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And like my pod colleagues, I instantly heard that it was somewhere in time, at least. Mm. That was clear. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, fast beat, cool beat. I mean, mm, the yeah. drums on Somewhere in Time are stellar. They are stellar. And so the good. sound, the drum oh, sound on that one. Yeah, the whole good. sound, really. Yeah. The production is my number one production Yeah. Uh, in, in the Made in Catalog, and they have a lot of good productions. Yeah. Uh, uh, Killers really, is another yeah. one. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Peace of Mind is Henrik's favorite production. I yeah. asked him. Don't worry, yeah. time is far away from me, but that's yeah, another yeah. thing. Yeah. No, it's a acquired taste, I would guess. You know, yeah. um, the way it sounds yeah. is saturated. It's very saturated. Whereas um, the album we were just on, Peace of Mind, yeah. is less saturated. I'm, it's I'm, kind I'm, of real I'm, to real. 
I think I'm, I'm with Henrik there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, very respectable choice, I would say. And mm. probably the best heavy metal album of all time. Piece I, of I, I would say so. But still mm. not my favorite Maiden album. No, Weird. yeah. Weirdly enough. Yeah. It's the best heavy metal album but, ever. Uh, mm. yeah. No, I think I think it's uh, when I hear it like this, and I know what you're, now that we know we're, what I know you're playing, it's just a shame. They should really bust that one out live at some point again. I'd love to hear oh, yeah, so yeah. many yeah. songs they should dust off, really. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's been a while since I badly wanted to plug in a guitar and play along. But I did now. You know, mm. I love playing this song. You have an acoustic. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. Acoustic, acoustic, acoustic. Yeah. <laughs> Want to give it a go? Just for. No. <laughs> Where is it? Yeah. It's gonna be diatonic. Yeah. Can't do it with this one. Can't do it. No. Yeah. But oh, uh, it's a uh, it's an anthemic intro, and everything is surrounding this melody. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of it, you know, the the lead guitar, the bass, and then you have that the the, the kind of bass synth, yeah, as well yeah. underlying, mm-hmm. and just you're taken into this future futuristic maiden world, yeah, instantly with this mm-hmm. song. That's yeah. very strong song, very strong, and it, it really sets the mood. Those first couple of bars, really, yeah. with a new sound for that album, a very um, aggressive song. There's no breaks. Yeah. yeah, it's heavy as fuck. It really. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of where Eagles there when it comes to just going on and on and on yeah. with a long yeah. instrumental bit. Yeah, yeah, but it's slightly more varied than where Eagles there. It is in a sense, you know. Yeah, I mean, depends. You yeah, know, yeah, you could you could compare them, and I don't know what, what you would what conclusion you would come to. Yeah, yeah. no, but, but I, mean, I think so. Like with the there's this Air Force part that I like. You know, when they go into Air Force mode, uh, yeah. do you know that part? Uh, Fuck! Uh, before the solos goes to the snare thingy. Oh, I don't think I know that one. Uh, anyway, that's not really the same as Wiggles there. It's more like um, carries it together. Oh, you yeah. mean the yeah. That's way different to which stays more on meter. Whereas this, do it again. It's a very good way to, you know, get things going before the solo part. Cool song. Always been one of my favorites. Always liked it, really. I mean, that album was like a secret album for me. Upon getting the discography, you know, Brave New World was released. I first The first one I got back catalog was Number of the Beast. This is just famous, you know. And that's that's probably the yeah. same for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, probably Power Slave then, Peace of Mind, you know, the big ones. And then I remember getting Somewhere in Time, not even on vinyl then, but mm. still that sleeve was very very captivating. And yeah. we had my old drummer on uh, talking about Deja Vu. And uh, like he, he gave some good descriptions of what the sound is like on the album. Mm. That is, I don't know what he said. He, he said it very nicely. So paraphrasing it would be bad, but it was something about things coming true and realizations coming to your mind you know as you as you travel in time you know? yeah mm. it's an interesting interesting mm. um sound on that album you know was there any album before that you know there, there was space rock obviously hawkwind yeah that kind of stuff but that was very hippie flavored this is space metal very yeah. unhippie i think yeah. this is what happens when iron maiden are mixing an album and there are forces who wants them to try and sound a bit more contemporary which yeah. is add a bit more reverb typical 86 you know we have yeah. turbo lover judas priest yeah uh, we have um 
well, that's before, but Eliminator with ZZ Top. Mm. These albums that are really embracing the 80s. Yeah. yeah. The Final Countdown by Europe. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. Not their best album. No, it isn't, but it's still a very good album. I think for me, uh, 80s, the super 80s sound went from guilty pleasure to pleasure at yeah. some point. Where yeah. I just realized that it's ballsy, you know. It's kind of ballsy. Yeah. I was very much of a 70s type guy. Mm. Uh, like f- in my formative years of hard rock and heavy metal. Yeah. The groovy stuff, the, the airy stuff. But then uh, when you get into this 80s sound, it's really cool. But it's very yeah. precise and a little bit cocaine Driven. Yeah, but I'm, but I mean, Iron Maiden have never really embraced that, which is all kudos to them because it doesn't sound like Defenders of the Faith. Well, no, if no, you no. did a drum fill, you wouldn't hear anything; it would just be reverb. Are, are we human or are we rolling? Rolling, 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 rolling. rolling, rolling. Oh wow, a, a, a limp biscuit limp reference. Biscuit. <laughs> it's or, a limp reference. All right, okay. Mm. So, so we've been on peace of mind. We've been on summer in time. Let well, us move on. Let's move that. on. What's next? Let's move on to... Let's keep the... Well, uh, you can't tell us. You gotta guess. I, I'll just say this. I'll keep the theme to openers. All right. Okay. I think I know that one. Your time mm. will come, you heathens. Yeah. Wicker Man. That's correct. What a good uh, sound on the drums on that one. I always thought, yeah. like in the beginning with the floor tom hits, going together with the low E. Yeah. Da, or the high E, actually. Let's listen to that bit again. Uh, let's start from the top. Yeah. Good solid drum track on this one. Yeah. Very maiden though. Uh, Extremely maiden. It's like uh, maiden by choice, right? By design. Yeah. Very Nico, very maiden. Yeah. 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 Mm. But for me, this song always brings up good memories. Like uh, we talked Vox Pop before. Yeah. Mm. This one was on there, and I just remember it be- every time it was on, I just uh, record put, on the VHS. Yeah, I put the yeah. TV on the loudest possible volume. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I had yeah, the support too. from my family as well. Yeah. Like, oh, it's our maiden on. Like, you like this shit? Uh, turn it up. Yeah, you know, for me, Wicker Man is one of the songs that may not be my favorite Maiden song altogether, or anything like that. But if if I listen to this in the right context, I just realize, damn, I love this band. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has that kind of uh, feeling for me. Yeah. But then again, I was thirteen when up on the release, right? So yeah, it hit me on the right in the right time. I think. What do you think, Eric? Wicker Man. Well, for, for me, this song is also very much you know that summer when I was fifteen, and I. Uh, sort of really started getting into the band. So it's very special. In that, in that sense, it might not be their best song. It's not the best song in the, you know, it's not even the best song in the album. It's not even no. among the best 
you take the top, you know, the, like the first th- three tracks of the album, it's probably my least favorite of those. Yeah. But it's 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 still a very special song for me because it was you know just it, it hit me right in the right 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 kind of era of my life when I yeah. And I think in this case, in the case of the Wicker Man, Maiden trying to be Maiden, Maiden trying to do catchy Maiden, uh, opener Maiden, single Maiden, all of that. Uh, you know, it's very elaborate. It's very yeah. Again, by design. But I think they succeeded doing it. You know, it really worked for for me. That you know, I still had a couple of years prior as a maiden listener, and this came out and it sounded so maiden to me. But I oh. think Henrik may have a different story. Well, I do agree that it sounds maiden, but it's. Uh, I mean, to me, having been listening to maiden for, I'm going to have to count now, but say at least 15 years before it was released, and then thought of getting into other kinds of music because I was totally immersed by the music when I was 10 years old and the, the years following that. And then I sort of grew into other stuff when it came to the 90s and Bruce left and all that. And when it came back, it, the music wasn't really that urgent to me in that sense. Yeah. But I still know that I, I still felt that it was a totally it was a totally different thing when you compare it to the previous two albums, and I'm not, this is not no disregard to Blaze or anything. It's just the band had a totally different energy yeah. on, on Brave New World, like Greg talked about in in our in our um, Dream of Mirrors episode. Dream of Mirrors, don't look through your eyes of stranger. He talked about the the magical glue in the in the real lineup, so to speak, or the mm. legacy lineup that it wasn't really there. And then here we have the legacy lineup plus Janik. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of there, it's kind of there, but it's a new version of Maiden, in a sense, mm. which is, again, my Maiden, really, like, the, the my favorite production as a kid was Brave New World. It sounded the way things should sound, mm-hmm. which is way more loudness war yeah, yeah, uh, than, yeah. than what happened before, but I think they nailed the sound of that pretty good. I'm a fan of Kevin Shirley. Mm. Yeah, uh, Caveman. Too, yeah. Caveman. Quite a few Maiden fans are not. Like, they, they don't like his style, but I think it's a very good producer he he brings out the the visceral element of the band yeah i think but, he does yeah. a very good job in bringing out the best in the band when it comes to recording an album yeah but i'm a massive martin yeah. birch fanboy so of oh, course yeah, i yeah, prefer yeah, martin birch but uh you know I, I think just know. just like a uh as a just a quick thing you know i've seen a lot of people complain about uh kevin shirley in, in the last year or so and I think a lot of it's uh, just the internet being the internet, meaning that, meaning that a lot of the cr- uh, critique has been uh, uh, towards the you know the uh, knights of the knights of the. Um... He didn't do that one. No, I know. No, uh, but the people on the internet don't I know think. that. No, he didn't. He uh. didn't do the latest live album. Uh. And he, people, he'd be like, "Oh, you know, Kevin Shirley fucked up." Like, no, he didn't. He didn't even do that one. Yeah. And but that's that's how the internet works. Yeah. Like mm. I remember there was a guy. On, oh, this is this is not quite the same thing, but just sort of. There was a guy on uh, Maiden Polden a couple of years ago who who was talking about how he didn't like, you know, went on for quite a while, how he didn't like Yannick. And then later, a few minutes later, pointed out the fact that, oh, but his favorite song in recent years, the only one he really likes is Ghost, Ghost Navigator, which Yannick did. Yeah, yeah. So you mm-hmm. could just go, you know, maybe, maybe just you know, go ahead and check but that out. But he was called on that, I do believe. Well, that was yeah. good. But, but, yeah. but like, that, that, that's not quite the same level as people complaining about Kevin Shirley. You know, d- due to his, you know, his shortcomings on productions he was not involved in. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> so, one thing I always think about with the Wicker Man, I think I've mentioned it before too, is how much more animated the playing is compared to Virtual Eleven. Yeah. Uh, and oh, yeah, Henrik yeah. did share with us, I've repeated it too, but it's an interesting factoid that uh, Virtual Eleven may have been recorded partly blind. Yeah. Like uh, mm-hmm. basically to a chord track. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about click track. 
Probably not. Probably not, but I mean... Like they, a basic chord track. Yeah. And Nico is not feeling it, you know. No. He and wasn't happy th- with the, the way the band no one had a way. No one had a way to know what the songs were like before yeah. everything was done. And then it was a matter of fact, you know. And so. then talking about Wicker Man. Yeah. He knows what's going on. Yeah. He, well, like, he knows the song. He's playing the song. When, mm. when we did the isolated tracks for... Uh, for like uh, kind of play madness that kind of stuff, you can hear the person playing the drums. Is is, is it, you know you can hear the joy in the playing. Yeah, yeah. You, there's no joy to be had. And again, I, I don't want to you know you know fucking beat a dead horse, but you know don't look <laughs> to the eyes of a stranger. There's no one's having fun there. Virtual Eleven yeah. is Nico's weakest album. Easy. Uh, even there's yeah, there's some yeah. really great stuff on it, but uh, but 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 you know for a lot of time you, it's not there's no, the this the same. I mean they could they could record that album again and make it sound better just even the same not even with bruce just the fact that yeah they weren't they weren't having fun doing it they used like these amp modelers and it was way too early to use that Mm. uh the guitar sound is weird and i mean again we're not on virtual 11 but it's so short prior to um uh, brain world and so different in that sense and brain world really was this uh you know playing for keeps Mm. going hard uh trying to make a really good heavy metal album you know to kind of make the reunion make sense of it yeah. in yeah. a way you know and i think you know no one can you know even henrik here the the non-fan of of uh of millennia made and no one can really deny that they succeeded in uh in creating the the right spirit you no know? it's and no, high level you know this is high level yeah stuff. It's, it's very obvious and i think oh. that's all down to that you can hear that the band is inspired yeah. by what they're doing and yeah. how they're doing it and all the circumstances around yeah. it, yeah. I also looked into the songs, uh, you know, the ones we've done. We've done three or four, and uh, they have a lot of hooks. They're written in a very elaborate manner, you know. They're not just kind of jamming it out or anything. Like, it's very... This album is very, arrangement-wise, very strong, and really, like, kind of hits you there. We're still being kind of, you know... Steve is always going to be eccentric, mm. you know, so long songs and all that, but yeah, 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 the yeah. album has a directness to it. Uh, which I think you can hear in in, in this drum track. Yeah. It's an extremely strong opening track for a very very strong album. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, Nico, M- Nico being Nico, is uh, just playing and having fun here. With good sound. Yeah, very great good tom sound. sound. Great yeah. tom sound on this yeah. one. And uh, I've heard that is a mixed uh, trigger on 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 this one, I've but it's not confirmed. I've heard that rumor as well, and maybe it's true because uh, when I listen to Rock in Rio from two thousand one, uh, the drum sound, the, the drum sound is very similar to the album sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he may have triggered that one too in the yeah. mixing. Yeah, but it's a good sounding live album. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's yeah, one definitely. of their best, I think. That one and Flight Six Six Six. For me, for me, Rock in Rio, it, it, you know, is, is a big, big one because it's maybe just the best live album when it, when yeah. for when it came for me when I was. But I mean, I, I can imagine. But I mean, because well, we discussed before you and you and me, Henrik, that uh, live after death is, is not you know the, the 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 sort of the sort of hype or the sort of mythos around it is sort of somewhat better than the actual. Product. Oh, I think so. Anyway. The sleeve yeah. is the best. The sleeve is fantastic. No, or, or, yeah. or, or just sort of the sort of the 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 uh, the, the general kind of the mystique of yeah, the, the moment in time is, is, is way bigger than because yeah. yeah. it's, it's not that great a live album. I don't think. I think it sounds really 
flat. Yeah, kind of flat. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't have the depth that you find in, for example, Rock and Rio. Mm. I'll have sure. to. I'll have to listen to that. Just, you have to. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. should actually because that, that's not even not even not even to be like um, here with us. Just as a music listener, it's a good live album. Yeah, it's very strong. A lot of Brave New World on it, obviously. So, but so you, yeah. you, you haven't heard, you haven't heard. I th- I think I've heard bits of it. Oh yeah, but I mean, well, I've, I've always heard them in the context of being shown on a screen, and then there's the video editing, mm. and we're not going to go into that because it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's millennia time. No, it's no. Steve Harris. Right, right, right. <laughs> Even uh, Maiden Podden when they did uh, Death on the Road, uh, yeah, they kind of just went with it. It's just like, you suck, Steve. Mm. You can't do this. <laughs> I mean, they are as big Maiden fans as I am. Yeah, but sure. they just had to admit it, like, you suck at this. Mm. Yeah. Well, I look forward to when we get to the Vs, we can do the video of the Beast. Video of the Beast. We mm-hmm. also have the official videos. That's an interesting one yeah. in itself. Yeah. Yeah, well, so... Um, Wicker Man. Good choice, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, should be in there. I mean, when I played the Maiden Tribute bands, we usually did this one at some point. Mm. You know? Good for an encore, good for an opener. We usually opened with the Be Quick or Be Dead, actually, in, in my cover band yeah which i thought was maybe slightly stronger we used to do ides of march then going into be quick or be dead cool combo wow yeah. that's cool, cool combo it's really good you know <laughs> 15 hits mm. yeah. to land on the ah. yeah yeah that's pretty cool mm-hmm. i i made emulated that in the maiden az theme mm. where i put seven hits yeah and then into the you know yeah because that's something we could address now as well uh, just you know again being very nerdy but i'm trying to do it in a way that everyone understands that maiden quite often emphasize on the last eight note instead of the first note yeah. on the bars so you have the wicker man yeah and this is a very interesting thing because if you're gonna find stuff from the first three albums that has this kind of thing you're not gonna find much Right. And I'm not... Purgatory? Purgatory? No. 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 It's, just, it's just full-blown drumming there. But I think you have it in, in Murders in the Room Org. You have a bit of it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I believe there's a bit in the soul of Killers. I'm not sure. No, maybe not. I might be mistaken. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it's nothing. About about what uh, Henrik just mentioned, Murders Mm. in the Room Org, that's also a badass contribution from uh, Clive. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Where he he just, uh, from going out from Ides of March into the song, uh, Mm. he goes like... Love that snare roll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Rainbow, and uh, that snare roll for me is very cozy Powell. Yeah, mm. very cozy. Uh, there's a song called "Lost in Hollywood" on the first album after the Dio era, mm. where he does pretty much the exact same. Yeah, it, it is pretty much the same snare riff. Seventy-nine, yeah. I think, on that one. So, sli- mm. you know, Clive probably heard it. Clive was yeah. very, very uh, influenced by Cosi Powell's playing. Yeah. yeah. I'm, and I'm not going to say he was influenced as a basis for his playing, but I mean, it's obvious. Uh, Adrian did this thing when he had a playthrough of Gang- Gangland a few months ago. Oh, that was mm. fun. Yeah. yeah. And he mentions how Clive had this beat that was 
Clive, uh, Cosi Powell influenced. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's very obvious when you hear it, you know, do the gun, do the gun, do the gun. Yeah. This could be a moment to ask you drummers here. Uh, Cosi Powell famously didn't want to learn theory. He thought it would bring him down, bring down his spirits or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've heard this too, you know, in many contexts as a musician. But for me personally, the more theory I know, the more I like the music. It doesn't really unveil anything or, you know, it doesn't take away from the mystique. I've never seen it as an obstacle. It's more fun yeah. to know theory, I think. What about you guys? I was probably in the same train of thought as uh, Cozy Powell was uh, when I was younger. But in the latter years, I've become more appreciative of uh, musical theory just to uh, put everything into terms yeah. and mm-hmm. whatnot. Yeah, it's fun, you know, and it's a lot about learning the rules to break them. Yeah, and it's a great tool. Saying. It's a great tool if you need yeah. to yeah. if you need to know how to possibly do things. Yeah. So mm. it helped me a lot as a guitarist. It helped me a lot to combine parts mm. to understand that you know you can't stay on the same key all the time in heavy metal. You can't really. Right? The modulations are important uh, to do these kind of switches. And um, Maiden is not often doing it, but when they do it, it's you know the essence of the song. Like we talked about, "Die with Your Boots On." Mm. It modulates. Quite a bit. Yeah. And it's got very good modulations in yeah. it. Yeah. And that's how I try to write heavy metal. And then mm. actually the theory helps. Yeah. Because I know about the parallel shit and you know, mm. all, all that. And I think for drumming it's my favorite theory. You know, I that's what I enjoy the most. The rhythmic theory. Uh, because it's easier to quantize and divide. Uh, than tonal theory mm. because tonal theory you get into all the modes and all, everything yeah, you yeah. know whereas rhythmical th- theory is divisions mm. and you know when you get into odd beats we may find some odd beats today let's see and you try and divide them with twos and threes and uh, to me it helps makes it more fun yeah. to listen to it so I'm not in the team Powell there but I do love mm. Cosy Powell that's a very interesting thing that you mentioned odd beats because it's not a thing that Maiden have used overly a lot. No, <laughs> I'm not going to say no. that. It has cropped up here and there in in parts of songs, but yeah. it's never been really a basis. Right, right. Or correct uh, me if I'm there might be something. I mean, early was, 80s, you kind of have it by mistake. It feels sometimes, you know, that this uh, bar of three comes in, and they don't. They're just playing it. Yeah, they're not yeah, knowing yeah. what they're mm-hmm. doing. Whereas uh, 2000s Maiden have, you know, a matter of life and death and um, final frontier. Mm-hmm. quite a bit of odd beats yeah and then they know what they're doing i think yeah mm. i yes, think it when it comes to odd beats uh, my primary thought goes to sign of the cross which is uh, in the middle section yeah when it goes to mm-hmm. uh the weird part of Yeah, yeah the, like arbitrary five eights. Yeah, mm. coming in there, and they, that's the part where they messed up. In yeah, the yeah, yeah, arena, yeah, yeah. Which was, I think, I've said this before, maybe two times in this podcast, but it was great to me because then you feel that they're actually playing live. They're playing yeah. live, yeah. and I wasn't really sure what was happening, but we totally lost the kick. So it must have been yeah. something with the kick drum going on oh. when that happened. So, uh, but I think Nico fucked up. Yeah, I actually think. Yeah, so. but did, did he fuck up and then stop using the kick, or was it just? Something out of the kick, and it then it could he, be that he that fucked up because the kick was lost or yeah, something. Yeah, you know? possibly, but uh, yeah. they they saved it. Mm, you know, yeah. we've all been there. I think. Yeah, playing in bands, we've all been there, like mm. looking at the the of rest course. of the band. Yeah, but it's also just what the hell is going it's on? It's kind of cool that it would happen to them because I've never seen that. that yeah, I think cool. it was amazing mm. to see that on a stadium level. Yeah, like shit, they don't know where yeah. they are now. And I mean, are they even gonna pull through? Are they gonna have to stop the song? Yeah, but they didn't. They they sort of 
persevered and came out at the yeah. right end. So yeah, I saw, I saw, because you, you immediately saw Steve go stab on the riser. Yeah. And, you know, check what's going on. He and, Adrian, yep. and Adrian as well, just, just going yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah, like and uh, this, shagging E. Yeah. And hope, I don't, and hoping I don't, for an anchor. And I don't think Janik even noticed. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. You know, Janik is tight though. He's kind of tight rhythmically uh, when he's riffing. He kept when he's riffing. eight notes, eight yeah. notes, yeah, yeah or sixteens perhaps in that case. But yeah, because that's one of his. He, you know, he, yeah, he probably was playing on that one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it, that was interesting to see. I, I might cut in a bit from it just for you listeners that didn't attend Tele Two Arena. So probably most, probably a lot of them. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's on. It's up on YouTube. You can listen to it, yeah. and I'll put it in. It's just yeah. funny to hear yeah. a band of that stature, of that size. Losing it. Yeah. Where he had the anniversary yesterday would have been that's three right. years ago. That's right. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Three years passed fast. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, very fast. How about we? Uh, how about we uh, hear some more drums? I think so. Yeah. Good idea. Next song. Why not? Uh, so, guessing game. Guessing game. Any clues?
there goes the siren yeah. that wants off the air. Right? Exactly. Luckily, right. we're in a shelter. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. if someone, that means we probably wouldn't hear if they warn. We wouldn't hear the air red siren. Yeah, possibly not. If they don't have some kind of relay station, uh, I don't yeah. know. I want to dive into rhythmic theory of the way intro there because I never really I I played this song, mm-hmm. but I never really understood where they put the 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 first one. Yeah, yeah, the first one. Is, it looks like a really weird edit on power. So what's this based on? Like one, two, three, four, one, two, da, 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 da. how would you uh, quantize it? When when I listen to it, I just think of one, two, three, four, one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's it's almost like a fill-in. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we used to play this song with my cover band as well, and we had three guitars. So I actually played the bass on on my guitar, mm. aside from the uh, the harmonies. So like down, da da da, down, da da. Maiden doesn't do that, obviously. But you know, no. we didn't have Steve Harris in the band, so you had to put some extra emphasis on that. And I think uh, in the ACSI episode, me and Eric did a while back, a long time ago. We now. listened to the um, drums and bass, and it's very, very crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How they sound together on Power Slave is maybe my favorite part of, of the whole album. Like how the bass and drums sound together. Lots of clarity, lots of treble in the bass, and you know they almost carry the songs themselves. And the, the guitars are a bit more distorted than on previous albums. Yeah. I think they used uh, these Ibanez Destroyers and Les Pauls and stuff on that one. I think it's one of the least stratty. Uh, albums, but I'm not sure about that. We're not talking guitars. No, and when it comes to drums, it's one of the least high attitude albums oh it's, yeah there's yeah, loads, yeah. Right, 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 loads of ride right. playing on it but generally that's, right. that's what nico does right leading like, by the ride uh, more so than the hi-hat he likes to accent on the hi-hat like he's leading on the ride yeah and he uses it as a more of a dynamic thing yeah. as well yeah. i mean take the verses down a bit he goes to the hi-hat and then he goes to the ride for for the more open stuff have you also played it as high henrik have I also played it? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I have, but I <laughs> I can't say for sure that I have played it in a band situation. It was one of the easiest songs for us, my cover band anyway. Mm-hmm. It was one of the easiest songs to carry. Maybe because of the quadratic... Quadratic? Quadrant nature of it, you know, the blocky. Square, the squarey nature of yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like block-based, A, B, C, D. Yeah, and 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 so on. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's very straightforward. And you played it now right after Wickerman. Yeah, uh, mm. they have a bit of kinship in that sense. Yeah, the the song has very distinct parts in that sense. Yeah, like that's one of those air air force parts that I like to. You know, Tail Gunner has one too, and we talked about was it somewhere in time or. We talked about Cold Somewhere in Time, yeah. yeah that, well, just you go basically. into that kind of marching. You you hummed it, I couldn't hum yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Basically, it's parts written on a bass. Mm. You can hear very clearly. But they complement it good with the drums, I think. Mm. Yeah, uh, again, Power Slave, we talked about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. had a few songs but, on it already, mm. and it has this um, very 
as you put it, athletic. Athletic vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of sunshine jogging. It's vibe. a very summery album for me too. So. Yeah, and lots of energy. That's the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like they finally. Well, it's, not, it's not always summer in the Bahamas. No. no. <laughs> to me, when it when it comes to it, w- was a very interesting subject when it comes to Maiden and albums and seasons. For me, Brave New World is a very summery record. Yeah, that's for me too. When it comes to like, uh, the rainy, thundery days of summer, that's Brave New World for me. And mm-hmm. Peace of Mind is a very wintry album for me. When it comes to maybe it has something to do with where eagles stare and the winter theme mm-hmm. of that. But yeah. For me, uh, Peace of Mind is a uh, fall. Okay. Fall type album, you know. Okay. Like um, walking in clay, yeah, kind of thing. You know, mm. lots of mud. Yeah, it's the mud a, album. I think for, for me, the only one that's really a fall or winter kind of album is uh, Dance Death. Definitely is a fall album, but a lot of them I associate with seeing them live that first time, or the first, my second time really. But uh, that summer, so a lot of them sort of instantly become kind of summer albums. Like from a Peace of Mind and Brave New World, were definitely and and and, and, and Power Slave. But maybe maybe uh, Seven Sun was kind of a winner. Winner, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Eyes album. Yeah, definitely winner. You know the sound of it, even. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a We've been on only Nico for a bit. Are yeah. we gonna do another Nico or what's up? Uh, I don't know. Uh, should we do some Nico or some Clive? Or I'm or feeling Clive. This yeah, Clive. I'm feeling Clive. Shit, w- what do we have on Clive? Well, only you can answer this. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we got another drummer here as well. Okay, I, I don't have enough toms, but you will have to guess. All right. I already guessed. Yeah, I got it. Another life, yes. Another life, another song we've done as well. Yeah, uh, really. First one we did with Henrik, was it? Actually. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, another life is a standout kind of. It's a bit of a weirdo. Yeah, uh, it's 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 no weird. chorus. Yeah. No chorus. It's a great song though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love it. I love it. Mm. No chorus. Uh, same verse three times. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just and a very odd middle bit. Kind of a jam track in a sense, you know. And yeah. uh, have you heard? Uh, we did that in the episode. Have you heard the alternate drum intro? No, I haven't. Mm? Well, I don't think so. If you put those um, tom diddles and yeah. just put them on the on the hi hat, okay, you pretty much have it. Uh, maybe not. No, okay. not really. Not I think, really. I think it plays a beat. I haven't. I haven't paid much attention to it, but I know it's a totally different. Yeah. I prefer the Hyatt uh, version of it. Yeah. Eric prefers the original Tom version. Yeah. So it, it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. if it's uh, it's on the Beast over Hammersmith, correct? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's right. mm. good uh, live album, actually. Yeah. A fucking great album. Yeah. Mm. We talked about it last time the three of us did a thing together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want the a lot uh, of Clive uh, Gold Drifter, Drifter. Yeah. 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 All right. So yeah, this song, another life. Uh, of course, it stands out as a drum track because of that intro. Yeah, and Clive used to have his drum solo in it as well. So, oh yeah, that's yeah. correct. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, which is a very, I mean, if we would have been graced with enough ver- good versions of record, good recordings of his drum solo, we would be able been able to say something. But 
I mean, yeah. it's it's an edited version on a Italian TV broadcast. That's what we have. So, yeah. As far that's as too I bad. know, that's I might, too bad. If that I might like... be disregarding something. Now. I don't know. I guess here we could take the opportunity to discuss the difference between the maiden drummers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you have some notes on this, right? I do have some notes. Yeah. I just prior to doing this, I felt I would have to to listen a bit to. I mean, we all know Clive and Nico because they're on the first and first and the, cons- the and the consecutive albums. But but Doug Samson uh, was a very crucial part to the drumming before Clive joined. And he's, I mean, he's featured on recordings. As he's on Soundhouse tapes and he's on the Friday Rock Show thing. That's metal on for metal for mothers. Metal for mothers and. Uh, He's on the B-side to, the, to uh, Burning Ambition, B-side to yeah. the Running Free single. And his drumming is a lot more basic, in a sense. And I'm, I, don't, I don't think it's fair to start comparing. I just think it's a matter of... It's a totally different thing to hear his drumming on stuff, because he's, his, his approach is more like, I'm playing the drums. This is, this is the song, I'm playing the drums. And yeah. he's keeping time perfectly. Yeah. And... Uh, the other, the, the other instrument do all the freaky bits, which is what we know as Iron Maiden. And his input is entirely in the seventies as well. Yeah, which is totally. a different time, mm. uh, drumming wise. You know, you, I think I said last time that he could listen to um, Bill Ward yeah. or um, something like that, but he couldn't listen to Clive. No, uh, exactly. he couldn't listen to uh, whichever eighties metal drummers. He he never had Cosi Powell as the as that kind of source either mm-hmm. so oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah he could have had that though. he could have had but i mean i think they were a bit too contemporary maybe yeah in yeah, a way maybe, so yeah. I, they were maybe immersed in their own touring up and down england in the green goddess i don't know yeah pretty much mm. another life cool track uh good way to give a little tribute I mean, to clive and dog's intro in that one is different yet again but ah. I, I don't really remember the what, what it is because we only have access to it access to it from you know very crude audience recordings yeah. tapes and i mean it's more like a thing yeah i never really liked the rhythmic figure of it's awkward it's very confusing because it sounds to me very backbeat ish because the emphasis on it comes on one yeah So, so the one is because when I first heard it, I thought it was. That, that's very interesting because that confusion it describes exactly what I have with uh, uh, Holy Wars with Megadeth, but the other way around. Oh yeah, because I felt that riff was. You know, and it's and it's that's a totally that's totally different feel. Yeah, or I mean, this is, this is when you get into drums. I, I think that's why I'm so interested in it. It's very mm. back to nature. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens if you start thinking about where is the one, where is the beat, and stuff yeah. like that. I was 
we were talking earlier about we we're going to go back to Cly- to Nico now, but uh, Sign of the Cross and the part mm-hmm. after the thing you played, yeah, that place. I've never been able to phrase that correctly for it to fit in with where I hear the downbeat when it comes in and out of it. Yeah. But I mean, they apparently can play it, so it, there must be some sense to it. <laughs> yeah, even on guitar, it's quite hard to know where you are Yeah, in that one because of those five eights that are just basically by Steve's feel. Mm. And I think as a drummer in Maiden, you have to really work with how Steve works. Yeah, Like people have said, he's got his own sense of rhythm. I don't know what that means, Yeah, but I think he does. I think he also has his own sense of scales and whatnot. Yeah, what yeah. is it like Phrygian dominant? Yeah, he just doesn't know what he's doing, yeah, moving, he's moving shapes playing. around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We have a lot of that on in Eric's episode on the base of the beast, how he's mm. just moving the whole shape around, which makes it like theoretically complicated, but physically simple. Yeah. If yeah. you if you have the kind of box that he has playing, yeah. which is really, I find that really weird. But mm-hmm. it's but I always thought about that when you have these eccentric uh, songwriters like uh, the band Death, for yeah. example, uh, with Chuck Schuldiner, the way he writes the riffs, it's a challenge for the drummer. I'm going to ask you guys, I think it must be quite hard to be a drummer in a band where you have this eccentric type riff writer that is not really working with the traditional music theory whatsoever. So you have to follow someone's pipe, basically. I think it's very difficult if, because I'm very, I, I, want, to, I want to know where, where are you, where do you, where do you want the downbeat? Because then I can sort of decorate the rhythms around it. Yeah. But if I don't have that, I get very confused yeah uh, unless it's a you know a straightforward song of course but i mean if something is a bit more odd signature or something like that it's it's really interesting because 
it can go so many different ways. Yeah, and I think that may be the reason that Nico is always humming the songs as well as he's playing. Possibly. Humming the riffs. I, yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah, to connect yeah. to the song. said that before that Maiden is not terribly rhythmical it's usually melodic so even the rhythms are kind of melodies mm. it follows a melody even the drums what what, what did you say that they haven't got a lot of grooves so I mean what would you mean by grooves then uh, like um, you know like a hip-hop groove like uh, that kind of stuff you know something that flows whereas Maiden is more following the melody I think Yeah, the rhythm as well. But like melodies lead, rhythm is second, I think. But I'm not sure about that. Possibly, but I think it's also a matter of. I mean, the example you just gave, it's a, it's a kind of rhythm thing that doesn't really exist in metal at all. No, so no, it's, it's like a um, triplet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, like metal rhythm. We could talk about that too at length, yeah. I guess. Uh, what is it about? F- to me, it's a lot about the backbeat, like uh, where you have the snare. Yeah, and that's usually even in the more complicated Maiden songs, the snare would be at the most sensible place mm. in the riff, I guess, or you know, in the beat. So that's how they kind of keep meter. But uh, with the cymbals and the kicks, uh, he he follows Steve a lot. I think. Yeah, follows the melody. Right. And I guess that's what the drummer should do. I mean, the drummer, and the Maiden, bass player, yeah. should be. Mm. Yeah. Adrian, Adrian has actually mentioned a thing when when they brought Nico into the band, it sort of broadened their their possibilities to do things, and Steve could have access to do a lot more things because Nico could do a lot more things, and I think that's why we do get a lot more of the gallopy things with Nico in the band because then it sort of was, it was possible to do that. Yeah. When uh, when um, Clive is galloping in Run to the Hills, yeah, it's on the hi hat, right? Yeah, but it's a very quick gallop in yeah. Run to the Hills, and it's also only on one. the hi hat, right? It's not doing a lot of no, it's just hi hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I the think k- it's just k- doing four on the floor uh, yeah. on the bass drum, and then just. Uh, <laughs> mm. It's an interesting beat too. Mm. Yeah. Weird song, Run to the Hills. It is very weird, and it's very difficult to get right when you play it. There's no other song that sounds like Run to the Hills, right? I don't know. In the world. Any, any, I don't know any one song that has that kind of beat or drive. Such an oddball for such a big song. Yeah. Like, it, there's nothing that sounds like it. It's mm. never been my favorite Maiden song. I haven't heard Eric's opinion on Run to the Hills, actually. No, I, no, I, I, I do like it. You're I, a fan. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a energetic song. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that more when we get to there. That'll be yeah. a while. We yeah. will. We will. I like it, but I don't have to hear it again. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Stairway <laughs> to Heaven. I'd like to hear Stairway to no, Heaven. No, I, I still, I still prefer that over. I mean, not Stairway to Heaven. There's a big bug on the floor. Uh, I still prefer uh, f- 
uh, uh, runs the hills over a lot of stuff they have been, you know, like legacy toward the end of that. That was, that was fun. It works. Mm. It works, but it's never like, uh, it's not like, Oh shit. Yeah. Run to the hills. It's more, but, uh, I think it just comes. You, uh, Henrik, we've discussed this lately, uh, about the idea, you know, you know, w- the last gig ever, what, what, what are they, what are they going to end with? And I think it's a big chance. That's going to be the one. It should yeah. be that in, one in that sense. It or, should be, yeah. or how will be the name? Or how will the name? Or one of the sing-alongs. Or don't look free. to that stranger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but me personally, now speaking of encores, uh, I think Seventh Sun and Summer in Time best encore albums. Pick the encores from those because you get things like Wasted Years, Evil That Men Do, really energetic, yeah. uh, triumphant type songs. Yeah, but nothing is probably you're going to end the whole thing on. Maybe not. That's right. I mean, I mean, I mean if it's the whole thing. If it's the whole band. I think Run to the Hills. Yeah, but didn't they end uh, the last tour or one of the latter tours with uh, Wasted Years? Yeah, uh, Book, yeah of Souls. Book of Souls tour. Yeah, mm. Wasted Years and Blood Brothers. Wow. I think that's a cool encore. I think encores should be meddled with more mm. in Maiden Camp. Absolutely. You can't just do Sanctuary, Running Free. Like, put Running Free earlier or something, you know. Or as we talked about Drifter. Yeah. Put Drifter as the second song or third song in the set. Mm. Like, switch things up. You know, it's, it's one That's, of my critiques of my yeah. favorite band. Why do you make such boring set lists? Yeah. All right, dear listeners. At this very point, we went to get more beer for the second half of the Drums of the Beast or Drums of the Beast Part 2, as you will experience it. So for that part, we're going to switch drummers. As I said, Henrik is going to be behind the kit with the shitty talk back. Well, that's just how it is. But Emil, you're going to hear his voice in full HD because he's going to stay on for commentary. So it's going to be a good one up in a week or two weeks. Depends what happens. Again, things happening in the maiden camp, right? Anyhow, thanks for listening this time. And as I say, say it with me. Up the irons and skull from the north.